All right, welcome back. Hour number two, Jimmy B and TC continues on. Trent Con and Jim Brinson talking the world of sports with you. So, Jimmy B, here we are in the big story of today. Iowa State, they have found their 12th opponent of the <laughs> yeah. year, as we talked about a little bit earlier. It's not a power. It's, uh, well, at least in terms of scholarships, better than what they were trying to get with might the Drake Bulldogs. Might be a higher power. You might be onto something there. Might be a higher power. Incarnate <laughs> Word will be making their way to Ames coming up in December. The first ever December a game played for Iowa State at Jack Trice Stadium. Jimmy B, get your tickets now. Enjoy the sun and frivolity in Jack Trice Stadium. December 1st with Incarnate Word coming to town. Can't wait. Can't wait for that one. It'll be a monster game. Uh, look, he, here's what all you can say about it is that, Trent, they've been hunting to try to find a game to replace that canceled South Dakota State game. And now, probably Jamie Pollard, the athletic director at Iowa State, figured I'd better come up with something now because look at all the games that are going to be canceled this weekend in the Carolinas and Virginia and maybe into Georgia. Uh, depending on the size of that hurricane that's going to hit the coast there. So all of those schools are like going to be in panic mode if they believe they have to get a 12th game. So all of those games that have been canceled, they have moved a couple. Uh, isn't somebody headed to Nashville? They're going to play in Nashville, I think I saw that. Ohio, Virginia is going to play in Nashville at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, they're doing everything they possibly can. And so I think what Jamie Pollard found was a team which is not going to make the FCS playoffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're in the same they're, – they're just like UNI. That, that's what they are. But they've only been in FCS, I think, since about 2013, 2014, something like that. And so I think he probably feels fortunate that he has at least found a team that they can pay – and send the charter plane for and bring them into Des Moines and bus them up to Ames and play that game. So from from that aspect, I'm sure that he was looking, man, we're going to need that 12th game in order to have a possibility, it looks like, of uh, you know, being a bowl team. So I, I get where he's coming from. And other teams now that are going to have games canceled because of the storm uh, are really in for a tough fight. They're going to they're gonna have to really... You know, search around. I don't know if the NCAA is going to have to kind of rescind its policy. So if if so, teams can find uh, schools can find other schools that they can play. Uh, you know, they tried to play Drake, Iowa State did, right? And and the NCAA said no, you can't do that. And um, so this is this is going to be difficult. It it really is. I mean, you have when you have a major hurricane wiping out college football in three, maybe four different states. It's really going to change the dynamic. All kinds of moving parts going on here, Jim, and you're yes. right. You know, if there's a possibility, you know, with all the cancellations this week of seeing somebody better, uh, a program that has certainly done more than Incarnate Word and isn't mm -hmm. a laughable name. I mean, <laughs> Jimmy P, the, the program name oh, of I Incarnate know. Word, also, as I, I think, kind of plays a part of this as, as you look at it. But, you know, Jim... In the end, I don't think that matters. This is a team that will count towards bowl eligibility. Drake would not because Drake is a non-scholarship program. You have to have yep. at least 90% of your scholarships accredited towards football scholarships, the limit at the FCS level. So because of that, 
you can't have a non-scholarship team on there and count towards eligibility. It didn't matter who they played. It's about getting that sixth win if they get to that point. If they're five and six Mm -hmm. going into the final week, you get the win, you're bowl eligible, you move on from there. This is a team that is 30 and 69 all time since they become a football program. Their first season came in 2009. They've been in the Southland now for the last five years. This is year number five for them. They're bad. They're 0-2. They were (laughs) 1-10 last year. This is a bad football team, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, Jim. It's all about getting the sixth victory. What I am wondering, though, Jim, is if Mm -hmm. we see Iowa State continue to struggle, and they got a behemoth this week, obviously, in the matchup with Oklahoma. But if things do go south this year, and you know the toss-up games that maybe you're putting in the win column, be it West Virginia at home, Texas Tech, Baylor, Texas, K-State, Okie State, TCU, whatever it is, if Iowa State is 4-7 and seven or worse going into that last game, how many people December 1st are making their way to Jack Trice Stadium to sit in the cold and watch a team that can't even game bowl eligibility with a win? I'm with you on that, and I don't think they will have a very large crowd. The only difference is, Trent, is that those tickets are already sold. So what they're doing is is they are saying that when you bought that South Dakota State ticket, that ticket will be good for that last game. So from that aspect, the school has already banked the money. So if you decide you're not going to go, uh, that's fine. Uh, they probably would like to have you there with a with a supporting cast in the stands, but if you don't go, the money is already in the coffers. I know that's a harsh way to look at it, but look, you can only do what you can do. And you're right, if this season goes south, there won't be very many people there to go to that game. Now, if they are 5-6 and six, and they need that game, and the weather for December 1st is not that bad we did see the ice bowl game that was played there um you know maybe they'll draw 25 maybe 30,000 people they might Mm -hmm. but but it's you know it would have to be a situation I think where a the weather is not going to be a factor other than maybe it being 30 degrees or 25 degrees and you can't have a major snowstorm or an ice storm because then people are not going to go and if indeed they do have five wins and they need that one, at least that game would offer up some interest in, okay, we got to win this game in order to become bowl eligible. No, it makes a lot of sense. Let, let's move uh, past Incarnate okay. Word. And well, let me let me just add one more thing. Oh, okay. What Incar- do you got? Yeah, in, Incarnate's basketball team, Incarnate's Word basketball team, a few years back went to Nebraska and beat the Cornhuskers. Right. So they're not too bad in basketball. It's football well, that they I mean, well they've had they've they've had a couple of wins. They've had a couple of upset wins on the basketball court. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. That's all. That's it. Okay. All right. Let's That's look, all I got. Let's look to the here and now and let's look <laughs> okay. at the matchup this week with Oklahoma coming in. Jim, I think it's pretty simple reading between the lines of, of what we heard yesterday from, from Matt Campbell, some of the players. Kyle Kemp is not going to be playing in this football game. I I would be Mm -hmm. incredibly shocked if he's out there taking the opening snap in the game against the Sooners. It's Zeb Nolan, who we've seen. Saw him come in, obviously, last week against Iowa. We saw him come in a year ago, playing the game against Baylor, Oklahoma State. So this is a guy with experience. And and the good thing is this is a guy that has a lot of arm talent, certainly has a stronger arm than what you have with Kyle Kemp. 
Not the same kind of accuracy. Kemp, that is his strength, is his yes. accuracy. But if it is Zeb Nolan, and I believe it will be, maybe can add a, a different dynamic here to the passing game. Look, they're going to have to take shots down the field. They just can't. They just can't dink and dunk and, and not try to attack the defense. That was the thing against uh, Iowa, with the exception of that first drive. They never tried to attack the defense, and so from that aspect, I think you are right about that. That he does throw it maybe a little better, although his accuracy is not the same as what Kyle Kemp's is. But still, you got to take some shots. I mean. Look, this is a Oklahoma team that many people, despite the fact that they lost their top running back now for the rest of the year with a torn ACL, they're just going to plug another dude in there, and they're still going to be really good. I don't, I don't think this game bodes very well for Iowa State. Uh, I think their their defense will play as best as they possibly can and will probably keep Iowa State relatively in the game. But Oklahoma's just got too many, too many good players. And, of course, a lot of those players were there last year, and they have not forgotten what happened last year. You know, a year ago it was the beginning of the 3-3-5 stack look that we saw from Iowa State. Now, even in that game, it was more... Oklahoma's defense and how bad they were. Iowa State gave up 31 points. They gave up over 500 yes. yards in that game to that very talented yeah. Oklahoma team, and this team's still going to be good. You're right, Rodney Anderson being out with the uh, ACL injury and just a difficult right. blow from him. But Iowa State, if they're going to win this football game, look, with the way the offense is looking right now and if Zeb Nolan is the guy getting the start, I don't think they're going to be able to score 38 points and win this football game. But can the defense, from what we saw a year ago, and that was the beginning of the genesis of what became that 3-3-5 look. Can it slow down Oklahoma even more? A year ago, Baker Mayfield at times took some chances. We haven't had to see that a whole lot out of Kyler Murray, but this is going to be the first time Kyler Murray has actually seen a good defense. You know, the first two weeks we talked about the Florida Atlantic game and just how good Florida Atlantic is. Remember, Florida Atlantic, it was all about the offense. It was yes. what they could do on the offensive side of the ball with Singletary, their outstanding running back. You'll see him in the NFL next season. That's what it is about. UCLA, it is the beginning of the Chip Kelly era. He doesn't have a quarterback to run their system. This is going to be completely different, though. What Iowa State brings on the defensive side, at the very least, can they do what they've done in the past and make Oklahoma? You're not going to make big plays. To beat us, you're going to have to go methodical 8, 10, 12 play drives to do that and to score on us. Do you think they're going to be ramped up enough against this Oklahoma offense? I I think they're going to be ready to play on the defensive side of the ball. I do. I I really do. But I think Oklahoma just has too much offensively. And like I said, the defense will keep Iowa State in that game for a while, and then I think they're just going to get worn down. And if you're talking like what you just stated, a 10 to play to 12 to 15 play drive, that defense is eventually in the second half going to get tired and wear down. And Oklahoma, I think, will end up scoring points, particularly in the second half. Look, would we like to see another upset? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'd love to see that. But you got to look at being realistic here and this team and you're right they have not played against the stud defense UCLA's defense was better than Florida Atlantic's and Oklahoma still just pounded them into submission so I I, 
I think this game will be close for a while, and then the defense will get tired, and Oklahoma then will really start to assert itself. You know, another one thing that I'm looking at here is if Kyle Kemp's not able to go. Getting a new package put together for Real Mitchell, and this is something going back. He was an early enrollee. He went through spring football practice. You know, Jimmy B, I've been singing this kid's praises. I love the story. Mom was an American gladiator. Just (laughs) a a speed athlete from California, good accuracy, all those things. The package that you'd put together, it's different than what you saw with Joel Landing. It's not a physical runner at that position, basically running the Wildcat back there and going that direction. But if you have been working on this, is this something that they toyed around with maybe a little bit during August camp? They did some different things during spring, whatever it may be. If that's the case, if this is the week you unveil something like that. Like I said, I think the Iowa State defense can hold up at least for a while, like you said. Now, if they're on the field for 35, 36 minutes and wearing down in the fourth quarter, that's going to be a problem. But if your defense is making it tough on Oklahoma, you come out maybe two, three times, two, three different packages with Real Mitchell and go in that direction. I'd love to see it, Jimmy B., the problem is, regardless of what it is, Zeb Nolan running the offense as it is, going through and getting David Montgomery the ball, or a package for Real Mitchell, say all of that, what you need more than anything, Jim? Pretty simple. You need blocking up front. If there's yes. no blocking, blocking, it doesn't matter what, kind of, what, what you do schematically, it's not going to work. I, I'm with you. And, and if that offensive line struggles to keep Oklahoma's defense from getting to the quarterback or doing what they did against Iowa, not being able to really open up some holes for the running back, David Montgomery, it is going to be a long, long afternoon for Iowa State. And that takes me back, Trent, to what we just spoke about, is that I believe Iowa State's defense can hold them in for a while and then they will get worn down. Because if, if you're Iowa's off, Iowa State's offense and you're going three and out, or putting together like one or two drives that uh, maybe go like two series and that's it, and then you got to kick the ball away, Iowa State's defense will indeed get worn down. It will play into what Oklahoma likes to do. They will pound the football, and Kyler Murray is going to have a big day. Going to be interesting, no doubt, Jimmy B. With that, let's take a look uh, over at the other side of the state, over in eastern Iowa. You and I makes the trek down from Cedar Falls to take on the Hawkeyes. Jim, I told you on Monday, it's uh, it comes down to a one-game season for Iowa. Beat Wisconsin, you're in Indianapolis. Lose to the Badgers, you can still have a nice year, but you're not going to be in Indianapolis. But there is a game to be played beforehand against the Panthers, a team that <laughs> yeah. has played very well their last three times inside of Kinnick Stadium, just short of pulling off victories. Look, uh, they have played them extremely well in the past. Yeah, look, we we all, everybody goes back and looks at the video where they block back-to-back field goal attempts. So, I, I mean, could an upset take place? Yeah, yeah, it could. Uh, it's not likely, but yeah, it could. Um, I think you and I will hang around for a while, just depending if Iowa's offense still is kind of sputtering, particularly the passing game. So I think they'll hang around for a little while, but I think Iowa does what they did in their very first game against Northern Illinois. I'm not saying the game is going to you know, only have three points in the first half, but I, I think that, I, that uh, you and I will get worn out in the second half with that Iowa 
uh, defense and offense just beating on them, and then Iowa will take full control of the game and pull away. Look, I do we even know yet who's going to start at quarterback for UNI? No, no. Eli Dunn, who uh, had been the <laughs> yeah. starter, played terribly in the first half in that road game out at Montana in week number yes. one, went 5 of 20 passing. He was ugly, and it was uh, a guy that had stuck around the program for a while, a senior, Colton Howell, who came in in the second half. He was the one that sparked that comeback and got them back and gave them a chance against the Grizzlies in the 26-23 loss. No, Jimmy B, nothing has been announced there. I don't think you're going to know until the day of the game who the quarterback's going to be. I don't see Mark Farley certainly tipping his hand of who the quarterback's going to be, Jim. They certainly need more out of the offense from what they saw in the first half. And in the past, I've been impressed by Dunn. You know, he's a guy that has had impressive showings during his career with the Panthers, but I, I thought it said a lot listening to Mark Farley in his press conference from the other day. Usually you get a, a little bravado coming from the Panthers, and it doesn't matter if they're playing Iowa or Iowa State, even the game that they went to Wisconsin where they went out to BYU. When they're taking on these FBS teams, a little chip on the shoulder, and, and they're confident in every one of those games that they're going to be able to compete for four quarters. It was a lot different message, though, this week from Mark Farley, and especially when he was talking about the Iowa defense. I don't know if it has to do with what happened in week number one. Normally when they're playing these games, it's the first game of the season. And because of that, you have a lot more optimism. You haven't seen your team. And you can scheme and game plan a little bit more for it. But, But, Jim, I'm not sensing that same, the same hope that you normally have in the past. And, you know, talking to the big UNI people, talking to some people back in Northeast Iowa, there, uh, there's usually, hey, if, if a couple breaks go this way, we right. can beat yep. this team. I'm not getting that at all from the Panther fans out there right now. Well, is that because of the way that Iowa's defense has shown up in th- both games? I think in, that's in a big part of it, Jim, because yeah. I mean, you look yeah. at it, shutting down Northern Illinois, shutting down Iowa State. This is a yes. veteran offensive line for you and I, and they got some playmakers on the outside. Trevor Miller, uh, Allen there, obviously, at the running back spot. Marcus Waymiller from Wacon, who's been incredibly effective throughout his career. They got some playmakers there, but you look at that front of Iowa, maybe it's just as simple as that. You know, Iowa is so good defensively that you're just concerned you're not going to be able to block. If Iowa State can't block, how are we going to be able to do it? Maybe that's a thought process from you and I. I would, if I looked at that film, if I'm a coach and I went and looked at that film, you are going to have to figure out ways to make that Iowa defense uncomfortable. And to be honest with you, I don't think I know that you said you and I has some weapons. They do, but I don't think they have enough to make Iowa's defense uncomfortable and force them to do things that they really don't want to do. I think Iowa's defense is going to once again dictate the tempo of the game, and by the second half, we'll begin to dominate the game. I think that's what you're going to see in that one, and then it's a look ahead to uh, a huge game in Kinnick Stadium. Jimmy B, have you taken a look at, at the schedule that week? Of course, a lot of people are asking the question, will ESPN sure. and Game Day be in town? The Big Ten Network crew, I know they're going to be in hand already that day, but a little bit different getting Dave Revs in and, and Jerry DiNardo in town as compared to <laughs> Kirk Herbstreet you know, and the rest of the crew uh, coming in for Game Day. Looking ahead to that week of the schedule, week number four on the college slate, other games that are going to be happening that weekend that game day might make an appearance for. 
just there there isn't a whole lot there. Notre Dame Wake Forest, no, that doesn't do a no. whole lot. That's not going to get you excited. TCU Texas, no. Stanford's at Oregon, that's a possibility. That's, that's a possibility. Yes, particularly if both teams win, they'll both be undefeated and we know Corso likes to go out and hang out with the duck. <laughs> so, that is that's I looked at that one and I thought that might be uh, a game. I don't think they would go to Florida, Tennessee. I, I don't no. see that one being being attractive to them. So, uh, the, the Stanford Oregon game makes makes sense to me. Um, K State West Virginia, no, no. K State no, just got I obliterated mean, at home by Mississippi they, State. They did, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's pretty uh, simple, and, and the yeah. Iowa story, not just because of what they've done historically now against top 10 opponents making their way to Kinnick Stadium for night games. But you couple it with what's happened over the last year and a half now at the Children's Hospital. A great way to tell that story during game day. And that might be, that might be the last uh, one that kind of tips it over the edge in might favor be, of Iowa. Is It's yeah. a story that you can tell. You can tell it in, in a deeper way. And I know game day has done segments about it in the past, but... But spotlighting it even more, I could certainly see that being something that happens. Now, here's one thing, too, that I was looking at, and I want to go back and check this to make sure. The Stanford-Oregon game is the ABC game that night. Right. So that might be that way because Herbstreet has to get on a flight. Mm -hmm. We know the Wisconsin-Iowa game is a Fox game at night. So that might be something that they would take a look at as well. Do they really want to pump up a Fox game uh, that is going to be up against their ABC game? Now, they've done it in the past. They've done it in the past. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have. So that's not, you know, it's not a death knell, certainly, for Iowa, but it is an impact. And and how easy is it to get from Iowa City to Eugene, Jimmy B.? (laughs) <laughs> well, we know that he flies a private plane. We right, know that. Right. I mean, they, they, they just shovel him off to the nearest airport and put him on a private jet, and he leaves. Uh, the, the good thing is, is if he was in Iowa City uh, going west, he'll pick up two hours. So that's, that's a real plus. Uh, you know, I, I mean, people have flown out of Des Moines and go to the west coast right now. They're on, you know, Pacific time. It's a two-hour time zone change. So from that standpoint, if he's done, what time is that show off? 10 a.m.? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. So that's 9 a.m. out west. Consider it to be a three-hour flight. He would make it easily. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Easily into Eugene. And and they've made made flights a lot bigger than that in the past and gone cross-country. So so that's an aspect. Big Ten-wise this week. Not a whole lot of great games overall. BYU's at Wisconsin. Certainly interested, at least keeping an eye on that one. See what happens there. But, of course, the big one's going to be the Big Ten, Big 12 showdown. Ohio State, TCU. Initial blush, I'm going to guess this will probably be a game we'll be picking on Friday, Jimmy B. You got an opinion yet with the Buckeyes and the Horned Frogs? It's hard for me to, you know, get a grasp yet on TCU. Look, they're undefeated. They're headed in there. I think Ohio State's really good. And 
with with the teams that they have played, it's difficult to judge how good because they haven't really played anybody yet. They will now because TCU is is a good uh, Big 12 team. I don't think that they'll be able to move the ball like they have for the last couple of games meeting TCU. Mm-hmm. I think Ohio State uh, should have some success, and I would lean heavily right now for Ohio State to win that game. Double digits. That's where you're going. 13 is the number currently in that one. Yeah, and, two uh, touchdowns. You know, Missouri-Purdue. Yeah. Purdue with a devastating loss last week to that Eastern was. Michigan. That That's a, a terrible loss there. Illinois, they're 2-0. and They got South Florida coming to town. That's actually in Soldier Field. Yeah, but they just lost their uh, really, really terrific wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So with a with an injury, blew his knee. So Mike Dudek, that, out, out again. He's yes. been out a ton. Yeah. Yep. A ton. I know. Baylor's yep. got Duke coming to town in the Big 12. That one's decent. Texas Tech, Houston. Mm-hmm. Of course, USC, Texas. The cancel game with West Virginia, NC State. So better slate in the Big 12 this week than the Big 10, but we'll continue looking forward with that and a fun weekend of college football. We're due for a break. Coming back on the other side into the NFL next. Ryan Van Bibber is going to join us from SB Nation. A look around the NFL as we continue on. Jimmy B and TC. 1700. We continue on Jimmy B and TC 1700 KBGG and time to take our first look of the day an extended look at the NFL with our buddy Ryan Van Bibri. You see his work over at SB Nation and he joins us here today. Ryan we got a week in the book 16 to more. Pretty good week number one. Not too bad at all. No, it's really enjoyable, I and mean, you know, like, <laughs> anytime you get to finish off the, the first Sunday of the season with a Sorry about this, Trent. But, yeah, uh, yeah, no, that, that, we don't want to talk about that know? one. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was talking about the rest of the games, not that game, the rest of the games. Uh, yeah, no, it was a great week. I mean, even, uh, I, I'll have to confess, I was not, I did not make it all the way through the uh, Rams-Raiders game, but I don't think I missed a whole lot. So other than that, it was a great week. It, it was. It was a terrific opening week for uh, the NFL. And you're right, Aaron Rodgers uh, just did something absolutely special once again for the Packers. So let's start then with this week. Look, uh, Cincinnati had a nice win on the road. Uh, Baltimore beat up a hapless Buffalo team. So the game tomorrow night uh, between Baltimore and Cincinnati, could this really turn into a pretty good football game then? I think it could. It's, you know, and it's kind of funny. This is a, the NFL did something that, you know, we haven't talked a lot about over the the course of the year since the schedule came out, but they kind of front loaded some of these conference games this year, conference and division games this year. And so you've got a week this week with some pretty important division games on the line. And this is, this may be the most important of them all because whoever wins this one will be first place in the uh, AFC North. And obviously there's a lot of season left to play, but there's a, you know, it's a it's a it's a win to have in your belt as you go along through the rest of the year, and, and you know injuries and stuff like that start to accumulate. And hey, man, these these AFC North games are always slugfests, and I know that <laughs> the the Bengals aren't going to have Vontez perfect out there, so there's probably not going to be some of the uh, some of the more gratuitous penalties. But <laughs> still, it, it's it's always kind of brutal when these teams play. Speaking of that division, the tie with Cleveland and Pittsburgh, fill us in on the latest with Le'Veon Bell as we await whenever he's going to come back, if he's going to come back. What's the latest he can tell us with him? 
I, you know, I wish I could give, I wish I had a prediction. I'd probably lay some money on it in Vegas somewhere, but I, I don't know what's happening. And like, you know, I'm usually pretty understanding of, of guys that, that have to play the holdout card for contract leverage because teams have so much of the advantage in that. But, you know, there's nothing left to negotiate for Le'Veon Bell. It's, he's, like, he's on the tag and the, the, the deadline has passed to negotiate a new deal with that. So, you know, and I understand the frustration his teammates have expressed fairly publicly. And, and you saw that, uh, you know, that team needs him. They need him on the field. It was, you saw a much different Ben Roethlisberger out there without Le'Veon Bell to throw the ball to. So it's, uh, you know, I understand he doesn't want to maybe get 30, 40 touches a game, but at the same time, it's like, well, you're getting play, paid to play and, you know, you, you should probably just show up and help your team win this year if you're, unless you're just going to sit out the whole season and then, you know, lose a year of eligibility or whatever. We're talking NFL with Ryan Van Bibber here on the Big Talker 1700. Okay, so in this area, the big game is really going to be a lot of fun. Uh, between the Minnesota Vikings that everybody has sort of penciled in to kind of like win that division, despite the fact that a lot of fans will tell you, well, it's going to be Green Bay, but those two teams are going to play each other this coming weekend. And we still don't know the status yet on quarterback Aaron Rodgers. A, give me your opinion if Rodgers does not play, and B, give me your opinion if Rodgers does play. Well, it's no contest if Rodgers doesn't play. I mean, it's just that Minnesota team's so stacked from you know top to bottom of the roster, every facet of the game. I mean, that Minnesota is going to be tough to beat. Green Bay, even with Aaron Rodgers. Now, with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's more of a toss-up to me. That's, you know, one thing I, th- I think that you look back at, obviously Rodgers gets a lot of credit, deservedly so, for that comeback on Sunday night. But, you know, one of the things that we weren't, we didn't talk a lot about Monday morning, we didn't talk enough about on Monday morning, was how much better the offensive tackles played in that game. I mean, Khalil Mack got a lot of attention that first half, but Nobody said a word about Cleo Mack in the second half, and that's because Brian Bulaga really had him under control, and that was a big feat because, you know, Mack's obviously a really talented pass rusher. So, you know, now you're gonna, you've got a much more loaded defense in the Vikings than you do the Bears, so, you know, they're going to have to be sharp, and they can't afford to make it. You know, you can't afford to have a quarter where the offensive line isn't synced up on their blocks and isn't, you know, isn't, isn't reading – pass rushers the way they need to read them because it's just too tall of an ask and and that is not a team that you can come back from very easily even Aaron Rodgers Ryan week one are made for uh, overreactions and I feel like we have a big overreaction Tampa Bay putting a 48 spot up in week one <laughs> against New Orleans and now they welcome in the defending champions coming in this week just a mirage, or do we actually, maybe when Jameis Winston comes back after the third week, have a quarterback controversy as Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns? We might. I mean, you know, the thing that was the thing that stood out, obviously the, the, the Saints defense looked like they were out there for a preseason game. I mean, the yeah. offense was fine, and Drew Brees had a good game. There's no, you know, those guys on that side of the ball did just about everything you could have expected. And, you know, not to discredit Tampa Bay's defense, they played a little better than we saw them play last year, too. But, 
you know, that defense was just woefully unprepared to play that week. And, you know, that's not uncommon in week one. You see that, you know, teams that aren't quite ready to play, you know, at, at, at full speed just yet. But, I, you know, the thing that I do give Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit of credit for is, is it's an offense that's kind of built to push the ball down the field, and that's one thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick does really well. And they have the guys to do that in Tampa Bay. Obviously, Mike Evans is just an incredible receiver. You have Deshaun Jackson, who's a deep threat, and they've got some other kind of speedy guys that are, you know, they're perfect for those nine routes that they really want, you know, Fitzpatrick to throw. So, you know, that gives them a little bit of an advantage, but they're playing the Eagles defense this week, which is not a defense that's, you know, we saw last Thursday night in the season opener. The Eagles defense is very much ready for the season. Um, the only reason, you know, we aren't talking about an Eagles loss last week is because of that defense. So, you know, if they can kind of keep Nick Foles out of trouble, um, then I, I think it's a, it's a slam dunk for the Eagles. You know, we saw a game um, that was really a, a really good NFL football game between New England and Houston. Even though even though the Patriots hung on and won that game, do you think Houston now is back now that they have Deshaun Watson back and J.J. Watt? Yeah, I think so, and I think that's one of those teams that, look, they're going to get better as the season goes along. Deshaun Watson had, you know, it was that game was a little out of character for what we saw him do last season as a rookie, and, and part of that's the expectations that, you know, I'm, you know, I say the media and I'm as guilty as the next guy with a press pass, but, you know, we... Uh, you know, we we put some expectations on him, and he came out of the gate. And he wasn't it wasn't that he was bad; it just wasn't he wasn't quite not quite back to the guy we saw last year. But he'll get there, and and when he does get there, watch out because that Houston team is going to be hard to stop. I think even the defense, you know, Watts just coming back into the mix. He didn't look like he was quite the JJ Watt we're used to seeing, but I don't think that will be the case this week, even or and certainly not by the time we're talking about games in October. So. You know, that's a, that's really a team to watch, and I think that, as crazy as it is to say right now, I think that AFC South race is going to be really interesting to watch as the year goes on. Last thing for you, Ryan Van Bibber joining us from SB Nation as we take a look around the NFL. Ryan, it's uh, Sunday night football. It's a great name matchup. I don't know on the field how great the matchup's going to be with the Giants making their way to Dallas at AT&T Stadium to take on the Cowboys. What's happened with this Dallas team? The offensive line they had a couple of years ago, young quarterback and Dak, Ezekiel Elliott, and it has completely fallen flat. Dallas, how bad is this football team in your estimation? It's not good right now. I'm really like, I mean, they were, you know, here's another team that was not well prepared to play. You know, this was their fifth preseason game last week for all intents and purposes. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, to me at any rate, Travis Frederick, their center is injured. And, like, you, that line was just completely discombobulated the whole game. They didn't know, you know, the right guard didn't know what the right tackle was doing and vice versa, and same thing on the other side of the line. And that, you know, that causes problems when your whole offensive game plan runs out of the play-action pass. So, you know, you can't get holes for Ezekiel Elliott to run through. You can't get the ball down the field. They don't have very good receivers to begin with, so it's not like they can kind of create something out of nothing you know, like you could with maybe Des Bryant and, you know, two or three years ago's version of Des Bryant with a, you know, a throw up 50 50 ball kind of thing. So I don't see that changing, at least not until Travis, you know, without Travis Frederick, that's not going to change for a while. And, and if the Cowboys can't find ways to get around that, and I'm not confident that they can, I, I think it's going to be 
I'm fairly confident it's going to be a route in favor of the Giants this week, and you know it could be a it could be a rough few weeks for the Cowboys. Interesting. Okay, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think shocked everybody. We all knew that he could sling it, and he did on the road uh, against the L.A. Chargers. But now they go on the road and they will play at Pittsburgh. Do we still see Patrick Mahomes slinging it all over the field, or do the Steelers find a way to slow that down? I think it's, you know, it's not, it's tough to say, because I think the Steelers' defense to me is sort of like that classic underachiever. You never know what you're going to get from week to week. I mean, I don't think they're all that great. They're not, they don't have a lot of talent, you know, all over the field like you kind of need. They don't have the best pass rush in the world, and you certainly didn't see much from them in that department against the Browns last week. And, and plus, you know, one thing that really was impressive to me about Pat Mahomes last week against the Chargers was he was almost sort of pass rush proof by himself. There's that one play where I think he found Tyree Kill maybe, what, 20 yards or so down the field where Brandon Mabane had broken through the line, the Chargers defensive tackle, and was maybe four inches from having his hands on Mahomes and bringing him down, and just with a flick of his wrist, Mahomes gets, I mean, literally just a flick of his wrist gets the ball to Tyree Kill for a big game. So it's, you know, that's a tough offense to beat, and that's important for the Chiefs because they don't really have a defense that's built to play, you know, that, that's going to carry a game for them. Ryan Van Bibber talking NFL. Ryan, as always, thanks for your time today. We'll talk again soon. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Just RVB on Twitter is where you can find Ryan Van Bitter. As we get the timeout coming back on the other side, we put a cap on things. It's Jimmy B and TC. And welcome back, everybody. We continue here until the top of the hour at 6 o'clock. Jimmy B and TC, the big talker, 1700. All right, Trent, here we go. Uh, tomorrow night uh, is NFL football, and normally we don't get too excited about Thursday night games. But I'm going to pay attention to Cincinnati and Baltimore after what those two teams did in their first game. That'll be entertaining. But tonight, what do you got cooking? Is it just baseball for you and and that's it? What do you got going on, pal? Yeah, uh, last night I was a bit surprised. I saw some soccer on, so I watched a little bit of that. But it was mostly baseball. yeah. And uh, entertaining game last night with the Cubs and Brewers. Really enjoyed that. Flipped over to the Twins a couple of times anytime they beat the Yankees, and it's so rare that at least uh, put a small smile on my face. A grin, we'll say, with that one. I'll uh, I'll keep an eye on that. But, yeah, tonight it's about the Cubs-Brewers. Can the Cubs yep. extend the lead out? You know, Quintana was so good last night, and you look back now, his last five starts, he's been very solid for the Cubs. And, and Jim, I, I remember posing the question to you back, oh, probably late July, early August, when he was really scuffling at that time. If he's a guy that could lose his spot in the rotation come playoff time, that's not the case anymore. Jose Quintana pitching at a high, high level. Now, excuse me, tonight for the Cubs, it's about gaining a little bit of separation. You, you don't want to go in you know, the final couple weeks with just a one-game lead, and that's what it'd be if they lose tonight. You're going to see a pitcher that if we see this Brewers-Cubs matchup in the DS, which very well could happen, you're probably right. going to see Chase Anderson in that series. So chance to uh, to get a little bit of separation, feeling good, and and feeling good going into the final couple weeks of the year. So, yeah, it's Cubs-Brewers at the top of things for me this evening. I'm with you. Uh, that'll be the game that I'll pay uh, most attention to. Look, Pittsburgh beat St. Louis in an afternoon game 4-3 to here today. 
So uh, the Cardinals all of a sudden now, after they were on that hot streak and kind of climbed right back into things, uh, just had the door slammed on them by the Pirates. And it is coming down, I think, to Milwaukee and Chicago. And look, they have caught a break in the weather with Chicago. The weather has been absolutely beautiful and supposed to be the rest of the week there. So this makes for great baseball. I I'm with you. I I kind of I didn't I never give up on a player, but I had put Quintana on the on the back burner kind of like you had. And then all of a sudden it seems like, you know, he got reinvigorated. I don't know what he was drinking, but I wish he would share it with us and that way we could get that inner energy to pop back as well because that's what he has found. I mean, he's got himself uh righted and is throwing extremely well. And Trent, you know as well as I do, down the stretch when you're in a tight pennant race, you got to have your best players perform at peak performance. And right now, they're getting that out of Quintana. You uh, also look at the schedule tonight. You going to be watching Rockies and the D-backs at all this evening, Jimmy B? I'll watch that. I'll watch that. I saw the Dodgers won this afternoon. Yeah. So out, out west is interesting. It, it really is. The Rockies are in first place out there. The Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are trailing, but they are still in contention for a wild card. Um but they are a couple of games back from Milwaukee uh, and St. Louis. So, like I said, all of these games now, in the last two weeks, three weeks of September, they all have playoff implications. So, yeah, absolutely. If there's, if there's pennant races involved or, or a possible playoff possibility, yeah, I'll probably sample some of that on the late night as well. Well, we got more football coming your way, of course, this weekend, starting on Friday night. Well, in fact, starting tomorrow night, we'll have that NFL game. You mentioned Jimmy B with Cincinnati mm-hmm. and Baltimore. Westwood won coverage of that tomorrow night after we wrap up things. Then on Friday, our Central Iowa game of the week. It'll be a top 10 matchup. Waukee against West Des Moines Valley. The Warriors Ooh. bounce back with a good win over the weekend. Uh, last Friday night, they beat Cedar Rapids Prairie team that was ranked. Uh, a lot of people had some big expectations. Waukee went uh, to that one and really dominated the football game. They have a really good quarterback, Jim. Just a junior, Mitch Randall, who uh, put together a nice sophomore campaign a year ago. Good size to him, 6'2", 200 pounds, physical, thick kid. Going up, though, against that Valley defense, Jimmy B. Valley, that defensive performance I saw two weeks ago against Dowling Catholic, right. against that really good offensive line, as good as you're going to find. A Valley maybe doesn't have the same kind of weapons as they've had in the past, same kind of speed. They're starting four juniors on their offensive line. I think it's going to take a little bit longer maybe for the Valley offense to get revved up some of the levels that we're used to in the past. But, Jim, that defense with Carson Shelton and John Shaner, they got kids all over the place making plays. This is a talented defense and should be a fun one. The new number 1 West Des Moines Valley taking on Waukee. And uh, another thing about this, Jim, so it, it's funny. Perspective, when I moved to Des Moines over a decade ago, it was, oh, yeah, Valley Dowling, that's always the big matchup. That's the big rivalry. Well, after working in the West Des Moines School District and getting to know a lot of people in the community, it's really not the case because the Dowling and the Valley kids, and especially the Dowling kids that grew up in West Des Moines, they grew up as friends. You know, they grew up playing youth athletic together. They, they grow up right. on the same teams until they get to the junior high and high school level and they separate off. These are guys, they're your next door neighbor. 
the real rivalry is Valley Waukee. These are, all right, here's the border on 60th Street, and those kids on the other side, we don't like them one bit. This is the one, Waukee, kind of the new kid on the block, trying to get up to that level that Valley has been as the big public school. That's where the real rivalry is. So, you know, after a play, Dowling Valley, you'll see kids helping each other up. Not going to see that nearly as much with Valley Waukee. Mm-hmm. Look, it's uh, high school football in Des Moines and the surrounding area of Des Moines is really good, Trent. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, just I'll give you an example. Here's Rocky Lombardi, who you covered a lot as a high school player, and he's the backup quarterback, and now he's going to be the punter. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who was a championship wrestler uh, in high school. I mean, the, the, the kids that come out, it, it just seems that there is such good athletic talent. Brainy kids, yes, but the athleticism around the Des Moines area, football, basketball in particular, is really, really good. Yeah, we're, we're lucky here, no doubt about yeah. what we get and, and just how good it is with high school football. We'll have you covered again Friday night, 6.30 with that one. Saturday, more college football from Westwood One, followed up by that UNI-Iowa game. Gary Ryan will be on the call for that one. Sunday, the Chiefs are back in action, followed up with Sunday night football and Monday night football. We have you covered here with play-by-play of football on 1700. With that, Jim, we're out of here. Have a good night, my man. You do, my brother, and we will be back again tomorrow, everybody, bright and early, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right here on the Big Talker 1700.